Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Alexander Horowitz will join us to discuss the year of the puppy. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Show. Well, puppies, how do they become dogs themselves? Join us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Alexander Horowitz. Dr. Horowitz observes dogs for a living at Barnard College, running the Dog Cognition Lab. She's the author of many books, including Inside of a Dog, What Dogs See, Smell, and Know. She has penned the new book, The Year of the Puppy, How Dogs Become Themselves. And Dr. Horowitz, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, it is certainly our pleasure. Certainly a fascinating book for all the uh, dog lovers out there. Curious why you decided to put the book together. Well, I've always worn two hats of a person who lives with dogs and a dog scientist. And I realize how much the science that I do and that I read about from my colleagues' work affects and changes the way I interact with my dog and my relationship with my dogs. So in this case, I had written about dogs generally, but I'd never really focused on early dog development. And in fact, it's something that as a person who's adopted a lot of dogs months or years into their life, I'm really curious about, you know, I think anyone who's in that situation wonders what happened in their early life to make them who they are today. And how important are those early weeks and months of their life, maybe before we get to know them. So I wanted to combine a little bit of memoir of dealing with Puppy, who I met right after she was born, and the science of early dog development. A bit of memoir, a little bit of science. An interesting approach. Is it one that you set out to do or naturally fell into place? Mm, It's a good question. You know, I really didn't set out to have it be as memoirish, I guess, as it is. I mean, I always have a little bit of myself in my books because I do think that that, as I say, that relationship that one has is relevant to the reason I'm writing about the science, right? It has, it's how it, it bears back on that relationship. But I didn't think it would be so much about our experience, but because it was during the pandemic also, we really, I really was a full-time observer of this puppy. And so I think it winds up being an important part of the book, our experience, even though I tend to shy away from just telling anecdotes as a scientist. That's not our typical approach. I wanted to then back up some of those anecdotes with the science behind it. Old age question, nature nurture. How much of it do you think is inborn? How much comes from the environment? Yeah, I think the answer is just as we thought that there is a good amount of tendency in our genes, in dogs' genes, but environmental exposure is what turns on those tendencies or suppresses the tendencies. So it's a combination. Certainly purebred dogs who are genetically very predisposed to certain types of behaviors as well as certain physical attributes, right, which is what allows distinguish them so clearly from other breeds, they tend to have slightly more 
predisposition to do very specific and identifiable behaviors, but only in environments that enable those behaviors to come out. So it's still a combination of the two. And what I really found as an observer of a lot of early dog development was you see dogs who are acting very similarly from their early life, but with very different exposures, they wind up being really different in terms of their use, their interaction with people. So the environment is much, much more salient than we want to believe when we go and buy a dog of a certain breed who's supposed to be friendly or good with kids or whatever it is. That environment could really change that tendency and not only perturbed, but made to be more or less appropriate for the context in which they're going to live. Uh, A sheep herding dog who is not exposed to something with which they can get out that energy is going to probably find something to do with that energy herding like if they're in an apartment with a bunch of children. And on the other hand, dogs who could be very good companion animals, if they're exposed to the right types of things as early pups, could be really very astute and keen working dogs. So that environment is is non-trivial. What can we learn from our own development and reflected in dogs and vice versa? It's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things we don't think about with dogs actually is something which we do acknowledge in human development, which is that there are a lot of stages of development, right? And we tend to ignore that there's anything between kind of infancy and adulthood in dogs, whereas there is this really long adolescent period where they're doing a lot of things we'd recognize in human adolescence, right? Including rebellion or just exploring their world. But I do think it is interesting to see how quickly dogs and other altricial mammals who are still born completely dependent, but develop quite rapidly compared to humans, how quickly they become pretty good members of human society at the same time as human babies are still entirely dependent on others to pick them up and move them from one place to another to say nothing of feeding and so forth. So the fact of their quick development, I think, just is a reminder of how slow and complicated human development is. Do we see glimpses of those same stages? Yes, absolutely. Yep. And, you know, they both start out in very, very dependent on those around them. Dogs are born blind and deaf and really unable to lift their heads. And that's a state and in requiring someone to help them, assist them in getting to a, a food source, a nipple to be fed. And that's the same for human babies. Human babies then stay in that state for many months while their, our brains are developing and so forth, and dogs move quickly out of it. So you can imagine that there's a little bit of a dissonance between their physical development and their mental development. And they sort of are still slow developing mentally. And when they get to adolescence, they have big bodies, but their brains are still developing. And we do see kind of preteen and teenage-like behaviors that I think often account for what we think of as misbehaviors in our puppies, you know, but they're going through a phase that they will come out of. And it's about them learning about the world, just like human teenagers are learning about the world. In observing puppies, looking at science, what was the thing that fascinated you the most or you were unaware of before you started looking at this issue? I wasn't aware of some of these early stages of development and nor about how extensively, which surely some people do know, one needs to socialize dogs in, in their early socialization period. You know, people tend to think of a socialization period for dogs as a time when they should meet other 
dogs or people. But it's not just that. It's it's a time from about four weeks to at least 14 weeks for their primary socialization period where they're really open to almost anything, any sound or sight or noise or animal or person, tall or little, male or female. And that's the time when they'll um, respond with interest or at least curiosity and favorably towards all these types of stimuli. And that early exposure really primes them to not have a bad, fearful or anxious or aggressive reaction to them later. So you really do see a difference between dogs who were, for instance, exposed to a range of things in a working dog training facility during that socialization period. And those who maybe during the pandemic, because they weren't really brought outside their house to meet other people and or to experience new things, now are showing some signs of phobia, fear of new things. So that stage is very critical in the ease of dogs becoming part of human society. It's really remarkable, the parallels between the dog and human development is pretty good models in terms of trying to understand our own cognition. Yeah, you know, as researchers, dogs entered our consciousness, really, because of some research that found they perform on cognitive tasks of interest to us as humans, as well as young babies, and better than most non-human animals, including non-human primates. And these were tasks of social cognition, where they were able to use people's gaze or pointing to get information about what they were seeing or where something is. And that's, they have a skill at that that we find very familiar and recognizable. And it is part of our developing an understanding of each other cognitively as humans. So their similarity to us in this way both makes them useful companions and also make them, made them a kind of interesting research model. Providing the best environment for their puppies, raising the perfect puppy, advice from a practical standpoint. I'd say, you know, drop your expectations that you're going to have the perfect puppy. You know, they're sort of perfect as they are. And instead, change the, your expectation to that you're, going to, you're about to undertake months or years long burgeoning relationship with another sentient being, which is complex, which requires that you both attend to each other and learn to communicate what you need or want. And that's a process, not something that can happen instantly in a, like a training session. And if you change your expectations to that, I think it's both rewarding and more likely to lead to a real positive human-dog relationship. For dealing with those ups and downs, do you have tips and tricks or, or things that people should keep in mind in going through these different stages? There's a trainer named Kathy Sadao, S-D-A-O, who has a really useful approach when you find that you're noticing a lot of behaviors you don't like about a dog. In fact, sometimes we don't notice dogs or puppies except for when they're doing something wrong, right? Like we let them be quiet until they're barking and then we're annoyed at the barking. She said, listen, just spend a day finding and rewarding 50 things that you like about what they're doing. And that could be anything. It's not a behavior you've trained, but, oh, you know, my puppy right now is lying with her head on my foot. I like that. So I reward that. Um, oh, she's quiet in the other room. I like that. So I go in the room and I reward that. Find 50 of those things. It's just a way to change our attention and observations vis-a-vis this creature who's living with us to notice that most of the time things are going well. And it's only once in a while that things are going badly to see it, you know, to gain some perspective on what's actually happening. So I do recommend trying that. Do you have a favorite breed of dog? 
mixed breed dogs are my favorite. I mean, I love all dogs, but all the dogs I live with are mixed breeds because I just love the combination of personalities. You don't really know where you're getting, but it's always it's always good. Uh, maybe to close, do you have any final words for uh, people picking up the book? What would you like them really to take home from the book? You know, I want them to see that there is no one thing that's going to make your dog perfect or imperfect. This is a process. You're undergoing this long-term relationship with another creature, and it can be a struggle along the way. Even me as a dog researcher and someone who's lived with dogs all her life, you know, I find it taxing at times, but it's a phase. We all get through it, and in the end, you wind up with this, like, preternaturally sensitive creature who who you have a, a mutually adoring relationship with. So be patient. <laughs> Good advice. We were talking with Dr. Alexandra Horowitz, her new book, The Year of the Puppy, How Dogs Become Themselves. Dr. Horowitz, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot, Charles. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.